got a little bit of a croaky voice today, actually. I have indeed. Yeah. It's basically because I sing late at night in pubs and clubs. <laughs> of course, don't of we course all? Not. <laughs> um, so today we've got actually um, something quite interesting to talk about, and that's uh, this thing which I had not heard of around three weeks ago called the nootropic supplements. Um, so, David, do you want to explain what that is? Okay, nootropics is a series of essentially herbal. Um, products that you can buy effectively over the counter without prescription from a whole series of pharmacies or shops uh, in the UK and obviously uh, wider field abroad. The term started basically nootropics developing around, it's not new, it's quite old, but around essentially students who are effectively uh, able to perform better at, um, at school, university, colleges because uh, it gave them a clearer thinking or the ability to boost their brain power, omega-3 type things and various other things. So whether it had a placebo effect or whether it has a genuine effect, it kind of like moved reasonably quickly over a period of time until recently, in recent years, it's actually gained quite a significant degree of momentum in universities, certainly in America, where it's quite, they're quite widely used uh, for different things. But in particular, you know, Joe and I have been focusing on a product uh, called L-tyrosine and the benefits that that has uh, potentially in helping people who possibly could qualify for a diagnosis of ADHD and how it can basically help not only slow things down, calm things down, but enable them to focus that much better. And uh, in America, there's an, an organization called the Control Department Center for Disease, CDC, and they actually feel that somewhere in the regions of between 10 and 11% of the population could actually uh, arrive at an official diagnosis for the ADHD. So this is, this is a massive number of people at uh, college or university or higher education in America who necessarily could benefit dramatically uh, from this in easing their path through university uh, and through exams in a way that previously before, you know, they'd be treated with Ritalin and, and mm. various other sort of pharma, pharma products, which really were actually, if many things, producing a chemical cost for them. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly felt the uh, advantages of L-tyrosine. Yeah, well, it's Joe's been using, yeah. uh, actually, he's a user for the last <laughs> three weeks. It's, it, I mean, I, I came into the as I came into the room 20 minutes ago to see you, yeah. it's the first thing that I said. It's, it has had a profound effect on my ability to focus and concentrate on things to the point of where I'm <laughs> kind of so focused on what I've been doing that I'm ignoring everyone around me. <laughs> Which is great. I'm not getting distracted. But I mean, so for anyone that is subscribed to the newsletter, you probably read this. But for those of you that are not, um, I literally just released um, an edition, which is issue number 16, yesterday. And um, I spoke about the process that I've created for myself to ensure that I have the highest of focus levels possible. And um, I mean, I've hacked this together and I've tested different things to see what works. And I've really come to a point where I, I think it's really helping. So to begin with, I get up in the morning, I do 15 minutes of yoga, normally just stretching the spine. Very, very simple things. Um, I follow a video by a yoga instructor called Kat Methan, actually. I could put some links in the show notes. Yeah, it's very interesting. She's good, actually. Um then I pop an L-tyrosine. I pop? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, then I take an L-tyrosine tablet. Um, have very fish and protein-rich breakfast. This is not to build muscle. This is to increase my brain power. Omega-3. Bags of vitamin D and omega-3. Yeah. 
Then begin, begin, begin working. B12. Yeah, a little bit of B12. Begin working, have a Barocca or some form of B12 supplement, vitamin B12 supplement around lunchtime. Again, a salad, something that's light. No bread, because it, bread generally slows me down a lot mm. and stops me from concentrating. Mm-hmm. Then I will go to the gym. Because it, what it, the gym is doing is it's just clearing my head completely. So if I've got loads of repetitive tasks that I need to be doing in the day, I'll, I'll kind of get them done to the point where my brain's starting to feel a little bit tired. I'll go to the gym. So I'm doing rowing and cycling, really, in the gym. Things Cardio without running, because running's not too good. Non-impact cardio. Then I will come back upstairs, cook dinner, which would be, again, protein, fish, a little bit of carbs this time. And then I'll take an L-theanine tablet. Right. Is that pronounced right? Yep. Which I feel is helping me sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's my process. And it's also extremely good, or known to be good, uh, for basically your pituitary gland and uh, in on your body and also your thyroid. Yeah. Sorry, actually, it's actually more the thyroid. It's supposed to be very different. So I'm losing weight with it. Really? How much have you lost? I've lost... I've gone down a, a trouser size or two. Well, I've, I've probably... I've, I haven't measured... I certainly haven't weighed myself, but I've definitely, definitely lost weight. Definitely lost weight and you're losing inches. Now, how? Yeah, yeah. You, do you think that's more to do with the exercise, the yeah, diet, yeah, yeah. or the combination? It's, of every, it's, oh. it, it's everything. I'm eating so well, okay. so well, exercising every day. You know, it's not. I'm not talking about over intensive exercise. No, here. I'm talking like twenty to thirty minutes yeah, you're not of killing just getting my. And it's all for my brain, but it's giving me. Uh, it's, it's giving me. And all your the ability to focus is going through the roof. Yeah, as it goes. Maybe I should get into the gym and do exactly the same and listen to actually what he's saying. Because let's face it, I need to. (laughs) Do you know what the interesting thing about going to the gym is? It's giving me the almost brain space to do creative tasks in the evening, which I really like doing when the sun's gone down. Right. I struggle with creative tasks when the sun's up. (laughs) Seriously. You mean you basically find ways of sort of um, involving yourself. You you distract yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when the sun... no. It's not as it's not as interesting. Like out the windows, it's just dark. It, it feels calmer and quieter. There's no. It's not it's in between stimulus. this nine and five bollocks that I've been sucked into over the last few years, which I think is silly anyway. But you know, it's outside of those nine to five, and I feel that there's this freedom to be creative, and that's where all of my ideas for things right. come from. The actual execution of those ideas happen whilst the sun is up. <laughs> I think I might have to go deeper, dig a little bit deeper into this in the future, but. Generally, you know, that's why you get um, web developers that just do it at night only and sleep in the day. Peace and quiet and yeah. the ability to not be so easily distracted yeah. by things. Well, you know, that's a fact. But when it comes down to it, you've obviously found a way of doing things uh, when it comes down to it, Joe, that suits you very well. And if the results you're getting are not necessarily, you know, uh, determined by doing huge amounts of exercise and starving yourself, then in the end, you seem to have found an easy way or an easier way, a pathway to a much better way of living. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I'm acutely aware of is the, the amount of time it takes to actually develop a habit, a good positive habit. So you, I don't believe that you can just say to yourself on a Monday that I'm going to do all of the things that I just said, sure. L-tyrosine, that for breakfast, gym, all at the same time. Because these all these things I'm doing are exactly the same time every day. 
Um, <coughs> I believe it takes a couple of weeks, maybe three, to actually get to a point where all of those <coughs> t- things I'm doing in my process become completely autonomous. I be- I'm kind of not even saying to myself, oh, I need to take that Barocca now, or I need to get this L-tyrosine tablet, I need to go to the gym. It's just like, oh, five o'clock, gym. And, it, and it's becoming automatic. And therefore, I'm not worrying about it. Okay. But an interesting thing would be, take it back five, six years in university, would this type of application of things have helped you tremendously then? Well, I didn't go to university, so... <laughs> but, <laughs> what? I thought you did. No, no. So I think, um, let's say five years ago when I was starting native yeah. business. Yeah, hugely. So this your productivity, your output would have basically risen substantially. My productivity levels have doubled, I would say. Okay. Well, you know, in the end, if that's the kind of uh, output you're looking to mm-hmm. achieve, what are, we, what are you going to do now? I mean, given that you're going away shortly, we're going mm-hmm. to Singapore and then we're off to Indonesia and Malaysia, what are you going to do? With this spare time you have, how are you going to apply? Because you're telling me you've got a racing brain mm. ready to engage in things. So can you tell the audience what you're going to be doing? Uh, I, well, what am I going to be doing? That's, I really, really cannot relax. I find it so, so difficult to relax. I mean, I'm actually really, really happy when I'm just doing things all the time. All day long, so, so you've got to kept, yeah. kept stimulated. It's even recently, like um, I've noticed. I don't know whether it's the L-tyrosine or like this entire process, but things like I'm even like I'm keen to clean the house and like <laughs> no, I am. I like and, and cook and a lot more than what I used to and um, clean the kitchen and tidy and take the bin out. Like it's, it's not bothering me. I'm getting a little bit concerned now. I know. Are we producing the perfect man? <laughs> Maybe this is this is worrying because in the end you're going to give guys a lot of bad rap. I know. Yeah. You, we said this last week as well. <laughs> this is going to this is making people envious. Well, but yeah, so I mean, let's let's be honest. Like I love business. I love small business. I love listening to people to con- to customers, working out from an empathy and an emotional tel- intelligence perspective what they're missing, and then creating products and services to give to them so it provides more value in their life I'm not going to be able to spend much of the time that I'm travelling doing leisure I don't think I think that it will all be leisure will be a daily thing intertwined into me doing some form of building a brand or business or whatever that's what I want to do that to me working on a business is not when it's all I mean I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to that kind of thing I would rather die on my own sword, my own by making my own Fall decision. Own yeah, yeah. Than somebody else has made the decision and it go wrong. That really annoys me. If I, I'm very comfortable at making a mistake. If I made the decision, somebody else makes that decision, and it goes wrong, I'm furious. <laughs> so I so, but then the thing is, if I'm the the boss. Right, and, and somebody else, I let someone else make the decision and it's wrong. It's still my fault. I'm not mad at them at no. all. It's my, it's my business. It's yes. all my fault. Everything. I empowered them to make the decision. Well, that's a little bit like a Titanic sort of argument about the captain but going I, down I, with his ship. Yeah. But the argument really, in the end, is you know, these, uh, these days, one of the things that uh, I work with with a certain type of clients, are clients, for example, who are, who are agoraphobic, very intelligent people, very capable, very able people, but going to a working environment is just a non-starter for them. They can't leave 
for example, our own homes. And I worked with one such client who is incredibly uh, intelligent, actually had a doctorate in computing. And, um, but he would literally be only able to operate within sort of a half mile radius of his home. Yeah. And therefore working 10 miles away or 20 miles away was a non, completely non-starter for him. Uh, and this gentleman had basically uh, organized himself working in a particular company. He was very uh, a key player in the company, but only on the basis of uh, he couldn't go into the work, he didn't have to go into the office. And it kind of doesn't matter if you're kind of sort of 10 miles down the road or potentially like you, perhaps 3,000 miles down the road. It's still in a similar issue where you're on your own, you're working remotely, and you're making money. And, you know, necessarily, you've got to basically be able to function mm-hmm. in a way that basically is satisfactory to you. Yeah. So the goal for, I suppose, you, you going away, Joe, is to prove that you can do that and also become part. One of the things you've told me about in the past, which is co-workspaces overseas. Yeah. And as I've looked more into it and become fascinated by the thought, there must be hundreds, tens, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, around the world who literally are basically perhaps on a, on a, 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 a leading wave of a new age whereby a, a, a individual's ability to go, go to work uh, at, a, I don't know, some kind of um, bamboo table two yards away from the beach uh, will become kind of hopefully yeah. much, much wider uh, I think so. in, in application. And your ability to earn money while still retaining your own independence without having to conform. Absolutely. I mean, so I've been calling the term for that type of person and me now a digital nomad. Now, I've since realized that that's not quite (laughs) accurate. So the term I'm using now is location independent. <laughs> location independent. That <laughs> sounds like a beacon on a board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Um, and a lot of other people use that term terminology as well. And, that, and basically the subtle difference between the two is that a location independent person is... Well, a digital nomad is someone that travels the world indefinitely. They just go from place to place to place to place to place. Australia to New Zealand to Malaysia, month after month after month. A location independent person is someone who may spend half of the time in one country and half of the time going from country to country to country. So let me explain that in more depth. I might spend six months in the UK, but the other six months of the year, I may spend flitting between Thailand, Bali, Hong Kong, Canada, etc. And I think that those people the ones that do what I just explained, the location independent, they're the ones that build proper businesses with lots of employees fully. And they are incredible examples of this. In fact, one company that I have followed very closely over the past few years and have certainly been an inspiration to me for this, making this decision is Buffer. Now, Buffer is a social media uh, marketing app that basically automates posts through social media. So basically you can set up your Instagram post, Twitter, Facebook, and then you can decide what time it goes out. So that if your customers are in Hong Kong and you're in the US and they're asleep whilst you're awake, you can set it so it goes at the right time. So you can have a global launch. Very clever. Through time zones. Yeah. I wrote <coughs> on Twitter the other day, I literally just put something like, um, I'm interested in the companies. Um, no, I'm interested in people who are traveling the world whilst building real companies. Mm-hmm. not those who are doing it by selling a digital course. Yep. That's what I would say was a d- digital nomad. Right. Um, now, I then 
wrote another tweet which was linked to that and it said there are some fantastic fantastic examples buffer bear metrics automatic blah 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 big companies the ceo joel gascoigne of buffer tweeted me back mm-hmm. around 20 hours later and said i've been traveling the world for seven years whilst building buffer do you want to talk more about it <laughs> and i was like yes 100 <clears> percent." <throat> so he's really interested in what i'm interested in the community of people that are doing this are strong. They want to help each other. There's no corporate, you know, business secrets in this world. They, they, Buffer literally have a blog called Open and they share everything. Staff salaries, financials, you know, the way they operate, SOPs, everything is incredible. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I suspect the vast majority of people listening to this will know what Buffer is. I'd be very keen to ask mm. him how he actually manages loneliness. I think we should get him on. I think so as well, because, because he's got seven years of experience, yeah. basically being nowhere, everywhere. Yeah. And loneliness is a key factor in this, yeah. um, as you know, obviously he's managed to work around mm. in a certain way. I mean, at the end of the day, the idea of sitting on a beach, uh, hitting your laptop and making money whilst basically sipping a pina colada is fantastic. But that can go on for how long before you start becoming bored, yeah. lonely, you know, um, to the point of me, maybe even desperately so. You could be surrounded by people that you hardly know, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're basically happy. Yeah, I think that's a real. That's the real. Like I believe that's almost the mission statement of this podcast, which is protecting the mental health of those people. Yeah, specifically in one of three things and I think one of those is loneliness yeah I think that's going to be <clears throat> I I think that's going to be one of the biggest thing that affects me you know we spoke about this before I pressed record and I might meet a hundred people a day D- new people it's quite realistic but I don't know any of them yeah it'll keep you busy mm. but does it actually uh, fulfill you on an emotional level inside does it satisfy you with familiarity does it satisfy you with you know the ability to talk uh, mm. to trust to feel comfortable to feel relaxed that's really kind of like a very important question i mean i've looked after people uh, one guy for example a very successful business uh, gentleman uh, who would travel the world a lot but necessarily his biggest fear he suffered from a thing called generalized anxiety disorder was having a panic attack in a hotel room, let's say somewhere in, I don't know, in the States, uh, and being on his own because there was nobody around him, nobody knew him, uh, and uh, nobody could cope with what he was doing, what he was experiencing. And so we, he actually, for a period of time, functioned on the basis of, uh, he'd tell me when he was going, <laughs> he, we would work conversations on a regular, almost daily, nightly basis, maybe five and ten minutes, but it was that regular contact with somebody who was familiar to him, who knew could support him, actually that gave him the ability to cope. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few other issues as well, like yeah. drinking way too much. But there you go. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't do that. No. Um, but you're not doing it now. No, no, no. I really, I'm not. I'm you're not. a bloody healthy guy. Mm. Make me sick. <laughs> I'm really. I think that it it's it's part short term, the health kick for me, but it is also part and maybe more than fifty percent long term. I want to have a bloody good go at this for as long as I can and be as fit and as healthy as I can be. And I think the fitter and the fit, the more fit and healthy I am, the more freedom and flexibility sure. I have to make those decisions, you know. But 
as with a lot of things around this, uh, Joe, we can sit down and logic it. We can rationalise it in advance. We can actually do the sort of, uh, you know, the, the structural thinking about it uh, from an executive top-down way of looking at things. But we're not going to find out until we get there how emotionally... I know. And the, the, the emotional argument is really trying to balance the two in such a way that you're actually sustained. I think it, it is sustainable. Well, I'm excited by being able to broadcast that here, though. Anyway, I think... Oh, for sure. That a lot, I, I just genuinely hope that if I struggle with things that we can talk about it on here and then the other people that feel the same, which they will inevitably be, will get value. A lot of input. Uh, yeah. A hell of a lot of input. Yeah. Uh, across the board, Joe. But when it actually comes down to it, you know, you're going to find out on the day of the races, yeah. uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. as to how you feel. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to basically get a, a sort of a blog going in such a way that you, in theory, you might as well be in the middle of the Atlantic on a, in a boat on your own yeah. uh, as being surrounded by people who you have no connection with whatsoever. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think what, what's, what I like about the mindset of the location independent or the digital nomad is that you do tend to stay in one place for a, a while. So I think I will, there'll be people that I'll have connection with and they'll probably be around for a, f- a couple of months and then and then there's, deal, I guess, dealing with someone that I might make very good friends with and then maybe potentially never seeing them again. Yeah, but in some respects, given basically a diagnosis that we've talked about in the past being so, you know, uh, your ability to be stimulated uh, by meeting new people is very good. It's very positive. It feeds yeah. directly into, you know, uh, helping you uh, cope. But necessarily the other way around, um, when you make connections and having to break them and move I don't know, continents. Um, is that kind of like, hello, I really got to know you, bye-bye, I'll yeah. never see you again. Yeah. So you're going to go through those kind of sort of gamut of feelings and changes. And, you know, it's it's almost like sort of in a military context, you, you go, you do a particular job in one group of people for a period of time, and then suddenly you, you become best friends and all the rest of it, and then suddenly you've been transferred to another unit in another part of the world. And you're constantly, everything's in a suitcase, and you're always on the go. And you're always accepting that it is what it is until mm. it isn't. And, yeah. and then you're gone. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how you adjust things. And, and in the end, we can't, we can't predict just where the hell this is going to end. No. And that's exactly there's, there's, there's just no way of predicting it. No. There, there will just come a time and you'll go, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And that's, that is fine. That's yeah. fine. As long as I'm happy with it. Exactly. And the one thing that I realised when I, you know, obviously I've been through a phase of feeling unhappy and stuff like that. And I realised that the only thing that I want from my life on a macro level is to wake up and have a smile on my face. That's it. I know that sounds so wishy-washy and blah, you know, you know, airy-fairy idealistic, but it is the truth. And I think to get to a more practical example or a practical reason for me being happy and that is me being able to wake up every single day and just be able to make the decision on what I want to do uh, and that really comes yeah. back to owning your own life and being able yeah. to run it in a sustainable way that suits what you want to how you want to live absolutely uh, and constantly I, I work with a lot of people a lot of business people who essentially when it comes down to it really pretty much one session or two sessions in it's becomes obvious that they're trapped they feel trapped <coughs> they feel owned 
they feel obliged. It doesn't really make any difference anymore about the money or the power. They've just become really frustrated in the fact that they actually don't own their own lives. And they're stuck to a building or stuck to a group of buildings in a, in a group of countries that they're having to constantly rotate around. So it's an airport, it's a hotel. And everybody thinks what an exciting life they'll lead. And really, they're incredibly lonely. Yeah, incredibly lonely. And it normally starts, by the way, uh, I find out pretty much on a Sunday afternoon when they're starting to pack ready to leave on a Monday. And sort of they're doing well, you know, sort of on a Friday evening and on a Saturday. And then suddenly they start crashing on a Sunday really? when they're actually preparing to leave. They haven't gone. But they, they're now moving and stepping into another life and another way of living, which is actually incredibly stressful for some. So I would say that's exactly the same as I have felt for pretty much every Sunday. Yeah, Sunday for around a year, <laughs> up until about two months ago, I where think... I made this decision to sort of not do what I'm doing now, leave the business and go and travel the world and start something new. Well, I think, put it this way, perhaps Bob Geldof was off by a day. He doesn't like Mondays, perhaps. <laughs> I'm finding out people just don't like Sundays, especially yeah, yeah. afternoons and evenings. Yeah, yeah. And they're actually departing. But then, it's true. I hear a lot of it all the time. So, since I made the decision to leave the business, I haven't had that feeling. I've had mm. nothing, not one tiny little bit of anxiety or worry on a Sunday around what's happening on Monday. Right. And in the end, it's, it's only because you began to question the program really when you think about it uh, you started questioning the program as to how it was and it's only when you started getting into some of the answers you realized how unhappy you were yeah how you know and actually what was driving it uh your life uh, wasn't necessarily if you think about it it's the success, it's the success of your business mm. which in theory it was making you very very happy but in doing so the more successful the monster became and it was a monster the more trapped you became yeah and the more depressed you were getting. Yes, yeah. So, actually, that kind of... And it was, and it was basically very much situation around you, uh, you know, based in a particular town, in a particular building, and having to turn up on a Monday and having to work, and then having to go on a Friday. And it was just monotonous. Yeah. It became... It wasn't feeding you anymore. I was getting to the point where I was, like, <coughs> resenting the people yeah. commuting yeah. as well, because I was thinking to myself, what the hell are these people doing? They're wasting their lives. Okay. Without, and that's really weird for me, because I genuinely think that my biggest uh, benefit or like my strongest trait for in life and business is that I have a lot of empathy for people. And I'd forgotten that those people may just enjoy that. They might like the job they're going to. They may well be very, very happy with the house that they live in. The group of friends they've got, there's quite a good chance that they are. There's also, there is also a good chance that they may not be. But I'd, you know, I'd got so stuck into my own selfish sort of feelings around it that I began putting it on other people well I know this is another cliche but we only have one life and the argument really is to make sure whenever possible you've lived it to its fullest yeah. and if you're 27 years of age and you realise you've reached a point in time when it's just no longer sustaining you then anything is better yes. than staying doing something which is unfortunately just going to basically drive you further into a depressive state there's a, and there's a Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a very successful businessman in America, mm. says quite often, there's one thing that I can say is absolute fact with all of you in this room, and that's that you're going to die. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> he's a happy bugger, isn't yes. he, at the end of the day? Let's start the meeting off on a positive note. So, but, you know, speaking of Instagram, and he is very big on Instagram, by oh. the way, and social media, 
I have, since we started this, um, I mean, to as we record right now, we haven't actually released uh, one of the podcast episodes that will be coming within the next seven days, actually, which is good. Um, my for following on social media and the email subscribers for Pilotfish has increased by around 1,200 contacts, which is brilliant. Do you want to put a zero on that by uh, the end of December? Maybe not. <laughs> Let's just see. It's in. It, who knows what's going to happen? I think, actually, I've got no expectations because then I'm just constantly uh, surprised. No, I agree with you. Every single day, it's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? But the more I've looked into this, I, I've never really realised that uh, there is an ever-growing band of people, mm. as you call it, uh, uh, location independence, yeah. uh, howsoever you want to look at it. And there's a burning, burning, burning desire by a lot of people of all age groups where they've actually had enough. But the, 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 <clears throat> it's almost like sort of show somebody a, a ray of light and you'd be surprised uh, how much of a stampede you could create yes. in this show because it's there. It's been there for years. It's not as if it is. It's this is all brand new. It's just that all you have to do is encourage people to change their perspective, their way of looking at it, and you suddenly you could actually start a fire on this. Where suddenly a lot of strange places are going to be full of people who just turn around and say, "I've had enough. I don't have to be anywhere. I have the ability to basically join a whole new community. It's almost like Bitcoin." Yes. I mean, this is Bitcoin. Uh, uh, it starts off, I remember Bitcoin when it was something like sort of 50, 60 quid or dollars uh, at the end of the day. Now we're at something like, a, what is it, 1000 8000 I think. $8,000. $8,000, <laughs> yeah. It, it got up to. And, 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 and so really, these things, when they catch fire, uh, it basically makes people you know, quite independent and quite powerful to feel that they own their own lives. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in your, your 20s or in your 40s or necessarily even in your 60s. As long as you look after your health uh, and make sure that you've got great health provisions in the way of insurances, just in case whatever country you become ill in will basically therefore give you the very best. Um, but you are able to roam around and do what the hell you want. Yeah. I like So in terms of, for, for example, connecting with new people uh -huh. and all of the people that have been following what we're doing here, <laughs> um, I'm getting daily, daily, multiple daily messages now. I was actually shocked when it, when it was one a week. It then very, very quickly went up to daily. And now I'm talking like two to three very, very, very long and detailed direct messages, private messages from people on social media to me. And then probably 40, 40 comments per Instagram post of people saying sort of like interested in what we're up to. And one that really stood out to me, which is a guy from New York who was the founder of a startup mm -hmm. and then had to leave for mental health reasons, which is pretty much yeah, a carbon yeah. copy of my story. Yeah. Um, and he now has gone from having a lot of control over his life, or so he thought, to going to work for someone else. And now he's stuck in a 90-minute commute every single day. You'd be surprised how many people at the end of the day become isolated and getting hell up in so from a psychological perspective or just a mentoring perspective, a coaching perspective. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people actually would benefit hugely from that. Mm. Uh, so it's not just sort of looking at people who are have diagnosable conditions uh, such as bipolar or borderline you know, personality issues. It's everyday people have everyday issues. And when you're on your own, mm. who can you talk to? Yeah. No, no one. No yeah. one. And yeah. at the end, it's such an important field. Yeah, very. 
And what's really interesting is that people have been... Mess- so at first I was really worried because a couple of people messaged me with very, very deep things and I realised there's no way I can answer this. And then that's that where you another, come no, in. That leads me to another question then, I ask you. The other thing is then now people have stopped doing that. Now all of them are like, literally, and this has never happened to me in my entire life, someone messaged me saying... You know, I've been feeling really, really awful recently. I think, you know, my mum's bipolar, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is from a few different people, and they've said pretty much the same thing, which is, your posts just make me feel that little bit better because it makes me realise I'm not the only one. And that's all they needed. And I hear that all the time. I just needed to basically hear confirmation from another person that I'm not nuts. Or, basically, that this problem can be worked out. Most people actually have the solutions in their own mind. They just want to hear it from somebody else so they're going down the right road yeah and often that's what you are you're yeah. you're you're almost an echo in an echo chamber with them as they're they're repeating something to you that's bouncing back and they begin to realize oh christ i, I, I know what i'm doing here. Yeah. yeah i have the answers and you have often sometimes you've you said nothing and they're bouncing out the door as happy as larry because they've heard themselves that's very you know that's <clears> quite <throat> similar to what you did with me yeah. anyway i the funny thing is I, I think i don't know if it's the same for everyone but i kept, i walked through the door knowing the answer it was just locked inside of me and you just took the lid off and then that was it. That's all, you, you know, I say that's all you did. It was incredible. It's changed my life, I would say. Um, but it was a small thing as well. But yeah, that's necessarily sometimes all people want. And we're not talking yeah. about deep no. psychotherapy and deep amount of basically psychoanalysis. What we're actually looking at is just a complete stranger. Sometimes you talk to them and sometimes they just happen to feed back to you what you're talking about and, and that's in a way that suddenly you start hearing in a yeah. different way and that's what has made me reflect and think even more which is that the people that i hope that we're speaking to here are not just the ones that are traveling the world as a location independent person we're, the, we're talking to the people who are who want to do it as well and people that are just stuck in a job and are unhappy and it's not just that we're giving them the opportunity maybe to explore the option of traveling the world but actually just to change and just to be try and unstick themselves a little for sure i have a slightly different view on it uh, when it comes down to it joe insofar as i see a lot of companies who have an awful lot of great talent that necessarily is stymied it's stuck and um, in, in doing so it's actually not performing very well because of it and if you could basically support um, specialist people in a company in a specialist way, in an individual way, that enables them to basically be more productive, where they're working, I don't know, 80% less, but actually it's that 20% they're producing, which is brilliant, yeah. and being paid to do, whether they're sitting on a beach in Waikiki, so to speak, or, or whether they're sitting in an office in basically downtown London, it doesn't really matter. I'm looking to actually help companies unlock the talent by changing the way they manage talent, by changing the way they look after talent so that it doesn't actually restrict them in management layers and various other forms of basically uh, things. It actually encourages them to think. And you've said it yourself. I do most of my thinking at night. Well, when you do so, you're not stuck in a room full of people. No. So your creative thinking happens at a specific time of day when you're nothing to do with an office or an office environment. So what actually is wrong with people who actually excel in doing that, but necessarily from a beach mm. or a, a, a town, whatever else, but they have literally sheer br- moments of brilliance, and that brilliance is what companies actually thrive on making a lot of money out of. Yeah. So you've just reminded me of something, actually. There's a guy called Ben. 
Um, I don't think he'll mind us talking about him on here, actually. He's a really nice guy, and he works for one of our old clients. I'm still friends with him. He tells me, this is literally about two weeks ago, that he has, for the last year, gone to the office for seven o'clock in the morning because he can get two hours of free time (laughs) to work. To work? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well... Nine to five is, you know, there's a lot of talking going on and I get disrupted all the time. Correct. That's not the way I work. And then I work a little bit after everyone's sure. gone. And I was like, okay, fine. All right, I, I understand that. But surely you should be working differently. Maybe this, well, this is exactly where remote working comes in, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly the point mm-hmm. where people who, and a lot of people who can be very creative can be people who are inclined to be more on their own uh, when it comes down to it. And therefore, forcing them into a working environment of 9 till 5, Monday till Friday, actually becomes a huge burden for them. Mm. And in itself, becomes de-stressing. Yeah. So they're not actually performing anywhere near to their abilities um, and literally enabling them to stay at home or work remotely 2,000 miles away or 3,000 miles away and seeing at the end of the day how they actually can become very, very, very productive but in short bursts yes, can be incredibly beneficial for organisations and I'm keen to actually help companies develop those people. Mm. Amazing. That's, that is yeah. really interesting. I'm very interested in that. And I'll make yeah. a prediction with you, Joe. Yeah. And the prediction is this. Within a limited period of time, you're going to come back and you're probably going to come down the same road as me <laughs> and you're going to retrain yeah. into psychology and, and, and whatever else mm. as you take it the other end. Yeah. Because you're so fascinated by it to the point where it's a moth to a light bulb. Yeah, I am fascinated. So yeah, I think it goes very much hand in hand with what I was <clears> saying <throat> earlier about my... Adver- so my you know, business partner, past business partner, he is way more intelligent than me in a traditional sense. He just is, on paper. But where he struggles is with EQ. And that's and he's he's like he's totally like aware. Like everyone says it to us. And I think that my desire or like actual genuine interest in behaviour of people, customers, B2B customers in the same room, people on social media watching their comments and, and seeing what they actually like is directly correlated to my interest in psychology and why I think you could be right. The future of me could be similar to what so. you're doing. And yeah. I also think in the end, we talk about EQ and various things, but there's another way of looking at it. It's called lateralism. And you probably have not just a logical way of looking at things, but your ability to look at things in a different way gives you that unique edge that necessarily people who approach things in a purely logical way can be shielded from. Yeah. You, you'll find a, you'll find a way around the problem in a very lateral way, rather than just necessarily being stuck at the front door, knocking, waiting for somebody to answer. <laughs> you'll go around the back. Yeah, uh, uh, and uh, steal uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, he's not coming around to my gaff. I, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. And, and so, yeah, I'm interested mm. in basically seeing how companies adapt to developing uh, strategies to manage talent in a business in a much more individualistic and unique way for that person that's much, much more supportive and much, much more creative. And in the end, how many companies have um, these people running around all over the globe, isolated on their own, without any mental health support? Yeah. And we really need to bring, I believe, successful companies in the future will bring in-house, uh, in essence, EAPs, coach, um, uh, psychotherapists, howsoever, to actually coach their team to a much better way of living and performing 
to such a degree that it's not going to be used in any other way other than to help the business become even more successful yeah. with the people far less stressed. Stress is a killer in companies. Absolutely. And I mean, just as we come to the end of the show today, I think there's a guy, an Australian guy called Paul Thompson that I speak to on Instagram a lot. Now, I, I followed him when I was getting into the idea of digital nomadism at the time, now location <laughs> in, independence. Location and it was, independence. Yes. <laughs> well, he seemed to be going from country to country every month. And I was like, God, I wonder what he does. Like, I'm not sure. And anyway, found out that he just works for Buffer, the company with the CEO that messaged me. And I just messaged him and he's like, so do Buffer just let you work, you know, on your own schedule whenever you want? And you can go anywhere in the world. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to London next month. We're going to be going to Amsterdam for a bit. I'm just going to work a bit here and there. But but all of his tasks are set on task completion, not time. No. And he can work whenever he wants. Exactly. It's... It's the future, and they've they thoroughly they agree with you. Woke up to it early, yep. buffered it, and they've just exploded. I need to speak and to Mr. Buffer. Everybody Buffett. wants to work yeah. for Buffer yeah, well, in this world. Say, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's those creative type of organisations mm. that actually can manage their talent in such a way that the talent is free. And in the end, when you actually think about it, uh, again, if you have that kind of talent operating in a company what's important to that talent is important to the company. So that person, for example, might be great. Everything's honky-dory in their lives, but they might be connected to somebody. It might be a mother, a father, a loved one, a brother or sister who's in trouble. And because of that, that person is occupied by constantly thinking about it. And companies, if they directed people like EAPs directly in supporting what was important to that person, i.e. this person, then it would alleviate that person's stress and anxiety hugely, yeah. enabling them to get on and basically be much more productive. And on. And on that note, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Okay, week. great. Joe, thanks so much. See you again soon. Bye.